What can financial institutions and businesses be doing to protect themselves from ACH fraud? Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. The FDIC is about to put together a one-day symposium on ACH fraud. We're fortunate to be speaking today with Jane Larimer, ACH Network Administration Executive Vice President and General Counsel with NACHA. Jane, thanks so much for joining me. You're welcome, Tom. Glad to be here. Now, Jane, I know that Notch is going to be represented at the symposium next week, talking about much of what you're talking about today. Maybe you can take just a minute to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your role with Notch. I'd be glad to. I, uh, as you had said, I'm Executive Vice President of ACH Network Administration and General Counsel at Notch. And in that capacity, I'm responsible for uh, the ACH Network rules the risk management and rules enforcement, and also the new application development here at NACHA. Now, Jane, it seems like every day we've been reporting on fraud involving transactions crossing the ACH network. Can you give us a big-picture view of what's been happening? Sure, Tom. What we're actually talking about here is what we've been calling at NACHA corporate account takeover. And that occurs when companies' online banking credentials are stolen and they're used to fraudulently access bank accounts and engage in fraudulent banking activity. So it's a type of identity theft, really, in which cyber thieves gain control of businesses' bank accounts by stealing the businesses' valid online banking credentials. So these credentials are stolen through malware that's installed on a computer, and it can happen in in a few different ways. So among those ways could be infected documents that are attached to an email, and the business clicks on that. Um, email, that document, or a link contained within the email that connects to an infected website. Or a business could use um, a USB port, a flash drive. So they put the flash drive that's been infected into the USB port. So I guess a fourth way would be legitimate websites where businesses um, are surfing the web and they go to social networking sites where they unknowingly click on a document or a video or a photo that's posted there and then this malware can be downloaded onto their computers. So once they have access to the online banking credentials, the cyber thieves at that point can really do whatever the banking customer could do on that site, including funds transfers by either ACH or wire transfer to the bank accounts of their either their associates within the United States or often wired directly out of the country, um, often to Eastern European nations. Many of the cases out there that are being described as ACH fraud are actually fraudulent wire transfers um, or a combination of ACH and wire. For example, uh, the town of Poughkeepsie case had funds that were going directly to the Ukraine. So that would imply to me that those were actually wire transfers to the Ukraine because ACH can't move the money uh, out of the country. And additionally, Hillary Machinery case, that was wire transfers and experimental case was actually both wire transfers and ACH transactions. So we think that by calling it ACH fraud, it's really missing the broader point because it's the area of focus should be online banking and the online banking site and how businesses can protect themselves from being, um, their computers from being infected with malware and how financial institutions, the tools that they can use um, to try to, to lock down those sites as well. So it's really about the point of entry onto the online banking site, not about either the wire system or the ACH network itself. Well, you make a good point because really it is corporate account takeover and we're sort of giving it a misnomer by calling it ACH fraud. Yeah, I think corporate account takeover is is much more precise about what we're really dealing with. 
Jane, give us a sense of how prevalent corporate account takeover is now. We hear of incidents every day, but what are we not seeing behind the scenes? I think behind the scenes, it's it's really, we, we hear about in the newspapers, but it's really actually rather rare. When you think about the volume of online banking transactions, you know, how many businesses are using online banking who are use, getting gaining access to their cash management sites online. A recent study, in fact, from the AFP, which is the Association of Financial Professionals, looked at fraud across the payment types. And their 2009 study concluded that only a f- small fraction of fraud occurs um, on the ACH, and of that, an even, even smaller amount happens um, with credit transactions. Uh, in fact, the study concluded that not only does ACH fraud affect really a relatively small number of organizations, um, it occurs infrequently among those organizations that have been affected by it, and often it could have been prevented if best practices had been practiced by the, the companies or the businesses. Jane, what has NACHA done in particular to help educate and prepare banking institutions to safeguard against corporate account takeover? You know, NACHA has been uh, really trying to be on top of this since we first heard about this issue in 2007. So in 2007, in March, May, and June, in fact, we issued member communications and risk management guidance on corporate account takeover. At the time, we were calling it key logging um, because we had just seen that this was coming in through key loggers. Um, the key guidance in our communications then were that FIs should be using multi-factor authentication, multi-layered security, and that they should be um, complying with the FFIEC guidance that was issued in 2005. Um, and what we saw after that first wave in 2007, uh, the, a lot of the financial institutions that had been attacked at that time really deployed robust uh, authentication and, and more sophisticated transaction security. But what we saw again in July and August of 2009, the, really mid, say, 2009, is that these attacks began targeting smaller businesses and FIs. Um, and, and our thought then was maybe they were being perceived as criminals, as, as these cyber thieves, as being more likely to have insufficient controls. So in the summer of 2009, we issued additional member communications and risk management guidance. And then in August, we issued with a Financial Services Information Sharing and Analysis Center. That's a, a mouthful. We call it the FSI SAC. <laughs> we issued a joint bulletin with them and the FBI. Um, in 2009, we issued an operations bulletin again that we have posted on our website um, to prefer, provide further guidance, not just to financial institutions, but guidance that the financial institutions could then um, provide their customers, their business customers. And I think lastly, just not to go through my litany of everything that we've been doing, but lastly, we partnered with the Better Business Bureau um, in, in one of the initiatives that they had. It's, it's a a booklet or or a handbook called Data Security Made Simple, and we worked with them to provide guidance to small businesses, because small businesses were being targeted by this outreach, to try to educate themselves about what they could do to protect themselves. What's your sense that the financial community has done to alert its own business customers about the risks? You know, Tom, what we've been hearing from financial institutions is they have been proactive or, or trying to be proactive in reaching out to their business customers and educating them on what they can do. Um, so we know that there has been that kind of an out, that kind of outreach. We know the regulators have put out some guidance um, in this response, and NACHA has been moving out to our members um, 
you know, all of the member alerts and the risk management guidance that we've sent them, and they in turn, our regional payments associations, have been um, providing education and guidance to their financial institutions so that their financial institutions can then move out and educate um, their businesses. And then, again, I'm hoping that the that small businesses are seeing the Better Business Bureau's data security made simpler um, material, which is out on the web. Really, what you need here is a partnership with financial institutions and their business customers. What should they be doing to protect themselves against these fraudsters? Well, I think that you just said something that's really important, and I just want to bring it up which is, and reiterate what you just said, which is a partnership between financial institutions and businesses, because I think that that is um, really important. It's critical that there is this partnership. Uh, financial institutions can do their part by really taking advantage of fraud detection and risk management services and tools that are, that are offered out there commercially. They also need to take that role of educating their business customers on preventative measures. Um, like One of the simplest things that a business can be doing and that a financial institution should remind their business to do is that they should be reconciling their accounts daily. I mean, that is something so that if they see something that's unauthorized, if they see some anomalous activity, that they can contact their financial institution immediately. Um, some of the frauds that we've seen go over several period, you know, several days. So that could have been stopped on, on the first day. Um, financial institutions should be deploying, if they have not already, multi-factor or multi-layer security um, for their business accounts. Um, they can implement red flag alerts and out-of-band transaction verification. So there's, there's really different things um, that financial institutions can be looking at and offering their customers. And I think business customers need to look at those offerings not just for their convenience, whether they're convenient or not, but for how much protection they give. So dual control where you have one person um, authorizing a payment and you need to have another person verify it might be inconvenient, but that's a great method, to, uh, another layer of security and another method of protection. Um, Out-of-band transaction verification where you get a fax or an email alert or a phone call, um, a phone call back that's something that may not be the most convenient thing, but it can, again, add the most, uh, another layer of protection for businesses. So I think that both sides, both the financial institutions and the businesses need to do their part to both protect themselves and to make sure that they, ha they use the different techniques and the different practices and processes that are out there. Jane, you talked about tools. What types of tools are available now for financial institutions to use to safeguard against corporate account takeover? Well, there are, you know, it's funny. There, there are new tools that are out there, and, and we can talk about those a little. The first thing I want to talk about is some of the kind of old, what I would think of as the old school tools. The things that were out, you know, have been out there for a long time and I think may have been abandoned for a while. So, again, dual control or out-of-band transaction verification. Uh, we were speaking with the FBI on a teleseminar that we held recently, and the, the FBI um, agent said that he believes that those two, those two practices in combination could stop, you know, a large percentage of what, um, what activity that we've been seeing out there. So I think those are things that might have been, um, that aren't being used that could be, and those aren't kind of the new sophisticated tools. And then I think commercially we're seeing from vendors that there are new tools out there commercially available to both prevent and detect fraud. 
Jane, if you could boil it down, what advice would you offer to financial institutions and businesses both on how they best can protect themselves from the type of fraud we've been talking about? I think the best advice for both sides is, is to be vigilant. It's to be um, to understand both the risks and the opportunities presented by you know being able to access accounts over the internet. Um, one analogy is what we're told about personal safety is that you know for for a person you know when you're walking at night what they say to you is always be aware of your surroundings and i think the same can be said in this instance um with the corporate account takeover that nearly all of these can be a loss can be avoided by both the financial institution and the business by implementing the best practices so again uh, not to sound like a broken record but multi-factor authentication multi-layer security dual control out of band transaction verification. Um, for businesses, again, this isn't new or sophisticated, but reconcile your accounts daily. I mean, number one thing. The other thing is if you are if you are using a computer for financial transactions, you know, don't be surfing the web on that computer. Don't be taking that computer to, you know, your favorite coffee spot where they have Wi Fi and using the computer to do your financial transactions because, you know, that's that is not a best practice. So use uh, a computer that's dedicated to financial transactions to try to protect yourself. So it's be aware of your surroundings, protect yourself, and use the tools that are available to you. As you say, some of these steps might not be convenient, but they're not more inconvenient than a corporate account takeover. That's exactly right. Jane, a final question for you. I know that, that NACHA will be represented at the FDIC Symposium but where can financial institutions and businesses alike find more information on how to protect themselves from fraud? We have uh, on our NACHA.org website, we have an operations bulletin that was issued in December of 2009, and that is free to anybody who clicks on, on, on the link to see it. The FSISAC, FBI, NACHA uh, joint alert is public, and that has information and recommendations for both financial institutions and for businesses. And for small businesses uh, that are listening to this, I would say, again, look at the Better Business Bureau's Data Security Made Simpler website, and that is www.bbb.org slash data-security. Jane, it's been a pleasure to have your, your time and your insight today. I, I thank you. I look forward to talking to you again in the future. It's been my pleasure, Tom. Thank you. We've been talking with Jane Larimer from NACHA. The topic has been corporate account takeover. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.